Welcome to No Prize Podcast. It's the end of the summer. School's starting in a couple of weeks. Let's uh, kind of get crazy about that, right? So let's uh, let's introduce. Yeah, well, all those of us that have kids going back to school, I'm excited about it. <laughs> Just trying to figure out why they go to school and I got to do the homework. That don't make no damn sense. Now. Oh, I don't. I don't do homework. Kids are uh, kids are uh, SOL with me. Uh, My kids are way past school level age. It's what you get from being an old timer like me. No school kids. That's Woo-hoo. true. All right, I'm the professor. That's Johnny. That's Lucas. What's going on, guys? Football. Oh, the only yeah. thing that matters. Yep, okay. we're two weeks away from football season. I think we're all kind of excited about that. Uh I'm less excited, I think, than I have been in years because my team stinks this year. Let's <laughs> <laughs> let's not go that far. I don't think that I don't think they'll be too too bad. I mean, you are in the same division as the Jets, right? So you know, you well, guarantee at least two wins a game, two, two so, wins a season. So so here's here's how it is in New England, right? Uh, we're we're so spoiled, nothing but a Super Bowl appearance satisfies us. So if they only get to the first round of the playoffs and get knocked out, it's the season was was a disaster. So that's that's kind of the mentality here. We don't have the mentality of like, um, oh, they had a they had a winning season. They they did they went ten and seven. They went eleven and seven. There's some some silver lining stuff to be happy about. No, it's the the, the fans around here are just like nope 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 Super Bowl or bust and. That's a that's kind of stinks, but whatever. Well, I wouldn't know what a Super Bowl looks like, to be fair. So, <laughs> uh, well, that's that's true. That's true. Let's not let's not like go too far into this, there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could do we could do our own football podcast. We should yeah. we should do it. We should do our own our own um, football podcast, definitely. Yeah, definitely. yeah, yeah for definitely. sure. But, so for sure, for sure. Um, all right, so let's let's jump into uh, Disney Plus. We did have a we did have some Marvel stuff going on in Disney Plus the last couple of weeks. Um, she Hulk Attorney at Law dropped. We have two episodes live now. Um, what do you think about Tatiana Maslany as She Hulk? Um, if I may be, so, I I don't mind her at all. Actually, I think. Um... First episode, I thought the CGI was wonky mm. a little bit, um, especially around how forearms and legs moved. Um, they seemed to bend in the wrong places. But thankfully, that got cleared up by a second, second episode. Um, I find it an easier watch, ironically, because part of it's like, a, like an identity thing. I find it an easy, easier watch when she hooks on the screen, not, not Jennifer. Yeah, Jen- Jennifer does my head and she's whiny. <laughs> <laughs> but she Hulk, I'm all right with she Hulk. Mm. How do you, Lucas? What do you What do you think about uh, Tatiana Maslany as she? So Tatiana Maslany, that is her real name. Um, she's one of my favorite. <laughs> yeah, she is my my favorite. One of my favorite actresses uh, from mm. her time on Orphan Black. Orphan Black was great. Wait, yeah, wait, 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 wait. Back, back up. This is the same girl that was on Orphan Black. Yes. The main character. Yes. Yeah, my wife used to love that show, and I was like, "Oh, look, they're bringing, they're in, they're in, they're in such a, such a funk 
story wise that they have to bring in another clone. It was like every <laughs> other episode. It's like, what should we do? I don't know. We haven't brought a new clone out. Let's do another one. It was like. Well, she was great, though. She was great in the uh, show. I'll yeah. tell you this, the Orphan Black's number one at the when it came out comic book wise was at one point the number one selling book through Diamond. And the, the only reason it was, it was featured in a lot of those loot boxes. Mm, uh, okay. and, and I absolutely destroyed the number one comics for that month was Orphan Black. Orphan Black. Really? I did not yeah. know that. I'm going to have to go yeah. back and, and <laughs> grab, grab that because I, I guarantee you a lot of people have forgotten that. So um, it's the so, number one comic on Diamond and nobody actually bought it. <laughs> they pretty bought much. It it happens. It was it in happens. Boxes. Yeah, everyone Ooh. loves those loot boxes, don't they? Uh-huh, I guess. Guaranteed profits and stuff like that in the loot boxes. I didn't realize it was her. Well, it happens, and you know what? What <laughs> what makes me laugh when people talk about, well, you know, our comic is doing so well. Look how it was number one in Diamond. It's like, well, that's the retailers who don't know any better. They're just yeah. desperate, right? Yeah. It, it could sit in a freaking retailer's freaking store for like months or a freaking year, mm. um, and you know, I as a customer will walk in and say. Well, that's garbage, and just freaking keep walk and keep yeah. keep keep it going. Um, in the meantime, people also forget that okay, just because a retailer bought it doesn't mean a retailer would not later return that purchase right back to Diamond and say, "Hey, this right. was crap." Off you go, right? And this is Diamond special issue, yeah. <laughs> issue nine hundred. Well, we got well, we got what issue one thousand coming out soon, so we'll talk about that later. But. Oh, um, yeah, so yeah, she she was one of my favorite actresses from Orphan Black, and then I was like, oh, this is I didn't really I didn't really see her as it, but I was like, okay, this is gonna be interesting. Number one, absolutely fantastic, right? You no, know, as a character that was trying to that was coming to, um, you know, coming to her own as the She Hulk, you know, going against Banner, and you know, that was a, that was great, boom. But then when they t- took her out of that world of Bruce training her as a She-Hulk in, in her own thing, and then they put her in the corporate world and the lawyer world, she absolutely fucking stunk. I'm sorry. It, <laughs> it, 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 it's Ali McHulk. Yeah. No! No, she wasn't. No, no, not not even. Don't even mention her in, in the same sentence. Ali McBeal, I loved Ali McBeal. All right, I love you know the remember, remember Murphy, remember Murphy, the show Murphy from back in the day and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those were great freaking shows because they had a quirkiness to her. Quirky, it's more like, like Nightcore, quirker. right? This character, none of that quirkiness. She's like, I'm the greatest thing ever. I'm better than you, Bruce. I'm doing this, you know. Oh no, I'm the John Trotten. It's like, okay. I don't need to hear you say it. It just has to happen to you. And your reaction after that is what makes me fall in love with you. There's nothing that she did that made me go, oh, that's that's pretty cool. You know, that's that's nice, right? Um, so they're lost, right? And that's not on her, right? That's how they read it, wrote it. But they need to fix it because if you're going for the quirky lawyer, you need to let the quirky lawyer come out. Well, right. and, then I, and I, again, I guess the quirkiness is supposed to be that she turns into a She-Hulk. I guess. No, I, do, I, I, but, no. I think the quirkiness is the fourth wall breaking. That's it's not cute. Oh. It's not cute. Uh, at Moonlighting all. did it back in the day much better. Um, she yes. talks. She talks like Sarah Jessica Parker from Sex and the City, but without the fun stuff. Uh, I, episode two, I could have done without the meta stuff. 
Oh, it's like he's a totally different person. No kidding. Oh, yes. Ha ha. Very funny. Jollies. Ha ha. Um, well, there are some, there are some dialogue issues in, in the second episode. Um, predominantly. I didn't like how Jen goes to the family meeting, the family dinner, and they start asking her questions about Hawkeye. It's like she, her superpower is she gets Hulk. She hasn't got geek. She's got Hulk. That's what she's got, right? So she's not going to care. She doesn't even know who Hawkeye is. And then 10 minutes later, the, the dad says something like, you know, we've been through the Hulk stuff before. So all those Hawkeye questions, surely you would have asked the actual Avenger in the family, not just someone who happens to go green at the same, uh, you know? That kind of disconnect um, threw me a little bit. I, obviously, they're using it as a means to show um, yeah. how... how separate from the standard superhero world that Jen actually is. A um, couple of other things. She takes, when she goes and meets a meal, she takes a step forward. All the alarms go off and the things go don't go near the red light. Two a scene later, she steps forward and nothing happens. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, dude, come on. Come on. Um, I don't know, stuff like that. Um, I liked how I liked how the set the stall for like the longer continuity so they clearly show where the abomination story fits in with his recent appearance in Shang-Chi yeah recent appearance or the appearance in Shang-Chi so you kind of get an idea and of course the big question is where's where's Bruce on his way to you know I kind of thought that that was the way to kind of just get rid of him for the rest of the show yeah, it is. Right. It absolutely yeah. is. But is it going to lead somewhere? Is it going to be part of the, the, the Secret Wars? Is it going to be no. part of, you know, the whole Skrull invasion? World, World War Hawk. Yeah, is Everybody he, is thinks he, it's going to be World War Hawk. Is he off to World get... World War Hawk. Maybe if he, he, from he the, comes back you know, as, as Savage Hulk, that would be better, I think. But, you know, I, I'm going to agree with you a little bit um, on, on both ends. I do kind of think it's a little clunky. Uh, a bit, uh, and the CGI was a little wonky too in the first episode. I agree. Um, overall, I think it's probably it's like a bit of a faithful representation of Dan Slott's run on She-Hulk, where you know where it was he did kind of turn it into a courtroom drama slash comedy. Um, and the fourth wall breaking, of course, for She-Hulk has been around since John Byrne was doing the book. If so, they give us, if they give us a John Byrne book, uh, John Byrne show, I'd be all over it. Yeah, I think you know that whole sexy She-Hulk thing worked so yeah. well at the time. I think it did too. You know, and this, I don't know. They were they were trying to mash it up a little bit, you know. And I I did like the setup, right? So I I do kind of like the the courtroom drama thing. It's a great excuse to have some pretty good cameos because I know we're gonna we're gonna get uh, Daredevil coming down the pike, um, and I'm sure that there's a probably a couple more surprise cameos that we'll see. Um, rumor rumor has it that Spider-Man might show up, but I don't know about that. But uh, this, the show, it kind of, it kind of tickles my funny bone a little bit. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to, like, I, I'm kind of glad it's only six episodes. I do think that she's, she's, she's is a little. Nine? Is, it is it nine episodes? Is it? I thought it was yeah. just six. Is uh, it, well, if it's nine, then. The the reason I know this is, or the reason I think I know this, I'll say that, is that my wife couldn't place Tim Roth when she turned when he turned up, 
And uh, so she Googled who, who the cast is. She does. Yeah. My wife, she loves watching TV, but she's she's an IMDb. Yeah. We haven't seen him before oh, enough. She goes right. to an IMDb, right? Um, and it comes up that he's in the show for eight episodes. And he wasn't in, he wasn't oh. in episode one, so. Okay. Well, then maybe IMD is right. I, but I've seen them run before, but we'll see. Well, we'll, well, we'll see, won't we? But um, I hope it gets better because, I mean... <sighs> It's a, there's not a lot of premise for for nine episodes, even at, even yeah. at half an hour a clip. The, you know, the one jarring thing for me is I think in different scenes she's different shades of green. <laughs> like, Have you guys yeah. noticed that? Like, it like, seems I know that 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 I think maybe they're kind of playing with the lighting a little bit, and maybe they're uh-huh. trying to darken it, like darken the scene or lighten the scene. But the shades of, the shades of green that they use are not like. She, sometimes she's more green than she she is in different scenes, and that kind of threw me off a little bit. I think if she should be just one shade, but um, oh man, not all of us have 4K televisions, man. To see how <laughs> <it's> just, <laughs> you guys are out here talking about, man, whoa, the freaking whoa, whoa. the things are wonky. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm, <laughs> I'm watching all my poor man's freaking hungry I think, man television, I think, eating I think, my hungry man. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, like, like, uh, it's good soup. Like, <laughs> I think, I think the, I think the professor's looking for a Fifty Shades of Green type of movie. Yeah. Of drama, eh? <laughs> hey, maybe, as, yeah. as Blind Adam would say, it's if if you like it, it will eventually pop up. Just wait; it's just not going to be on Disney Plus. All right. Either, <laughs> you know. I don't know. We have Deadpool and Logan on Disney Plus now, so. Ugh. All right, so um, what about what about uh, Titania? Did you guys like her in the first episode? Just, that's kind of a, a, re- a really kind of left-hand turn from the comic character. Um, it, was, it was a so what for me. Was yeah, like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, a loose on like, this one. Because even in the comics, they try to make her a, th- a thing for like a couple of uh, – couple of – things you know issues and it was like okay bye bye because <laughs> like all right I, I would be more interested to see if they're going to actually try and bring in the jack of hearts yeah that's that's a thing uh right now um, i i don't uh, i think chances are slim to zero that we see jack of hearts yeah but i i would like to see if, if uh, things have happened if they kind of have she hulk kind of uh bouncing around from relationship to relationship like she does in the books she like she doesn't settle down with just one, but it, she's always kind of got a guy on her arm anyway, right? She's kind of mm-hmm. so I want to see if they if they do that a little bit. But she likes to, you know, whether it be Wyatt Wingfoot, that would be cool introduction, right? Or um, who else was she involved with? She had a little thing with Hawkeye, I think. Did she? Mm. I think I think maybe a little, very little. And Thor, she was in, involved with Thor in the pages of Avengers. Oh, you know, okay. For the momentary time that she was uh, on the screen, on the on the page in Avengers. Well, yeah, I mean, if they bring out Thor, that'd be interesting. I don't know. It's, I don't know. Uh, for me, the shows, the shows, it's not a must watch. No. You know, you know how like Kenobi was right. We must watch what's going on. Yeah. We must watch it. This is, yeah, I'll get round to it. Yes. Yeah, so, and that's kind of how how I viewed it. So here's an example. I, I told you about my wife loving like the Marvel shows and stuff. I watched this this morning whilst my wife was sleeping in, uh, having a lie in. 
she came downstairs halfway through the episode and she did not kick off that I'd watched it without her. Mm. Uh, okay. That, that says something. Because yeah. normally my wife would be like, what are you? She'd go, she'd go all shulky. What are you watching this for? <laughs> Take I'll, I'll, off me and everything. I'll, I'll give you another anecdote. So my wife, who hates fantasy stuff, right? She's okay with the superhero stuff. You know, she's, you know, she's like the... She likes the Marvel stuff and everything, but she hates fantasy stuff. By fantasy stuff, I'm talking about like Game of Thrones. Yeah. Right? So I was watching Game of Thrones, I think maybe like Monday or Tuesday or something like that. And then she goes, well, when's when's episode two coming out? I was like, I'm probably later on this week. The next day she goes, oh, it's not on. I was like, oh, I, I don't know when it's coming on. So she's very excited about the House of Dragons joint. Uh, watching it. The She-Hulk. She has not asked me about She-Hulk since we watched it. Hmm. She doesn't care. Our son came uh, came home from school yesterday and asked us, hey, are we going to watch She-Hulk? And she goes, eh, eh. You know, it yeah. just, when it comes to, and um, actually we also had, I want to give a shout out to Mama Comics who was on Drunken Chat with us last week or a couple weeks ago. And we asked her about it and it is not hitting for her demographically right hmm. because you know even though we absolutely must uprise you no know, positive female role models and everything this is not hitting hitting the marks for her or hmm. for a certain for that certain demographic of women that they think they're targeting right now uh so i think need, that's i need to revamp it i think that's a really good point to make lucas because you've got to look that the people who are in charge of she-hulk are still the same people who were in charge of all the other Avengers stuff and all that. And you think to yourself, well, fair enough, you might have your finger on the pulse when it comes to, you know, like Captain America doing Captain America things and Iron Man being Iron Man. But sometimes you need to go a little bit further afield to get your to get your your target audience. You can't just you know and this is the, and this is the knock about all these derived characters that the yeah. professor was saying a while ago. You can't just have a male character and then knock up a female version of that and vice versa and expect people to go, oh, I feel empowered now that you've managed to copy a male character and just put the word she in front of it. You know, there's got to be some substance to what. And I think and I think for She-Hulk, that substance came when John Byrne took over the book. Well, and I'm going to piggyback on you on that, Johnny, because if the first episode of the, of the She-Hulk I know we're supposed to build up this character so that we care about her, but they, they, they built her up at the expense of Banner's Hulk because mm. they made him look like a bumbling idiot. Like, mm. you know, with the, with the, uh, the, the rock throwing and the bar mm. being destroyed and everything. They just kind of made him look dumb. Not like, yeah. not, not dumb, but, but uh, maybe like, out of touch, right? Yeah. Like, because, you know, with, with her saying, you know, it's, it's, it's different. Like I deal with my rage all the time because I'm a woman yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm just like, okay, I, I get the whole female empowerment thing. And I, I know that this is directly aimed at, you know, the same fans that watched Ms. Marvel last month. Right. So, you know, we, we want to, we want them to watch, we want them to care about the character, but I think that they, they need, we need to make me care about the character, but don't, don't sacrifice Bruce Banner's Hulk at the expense of, of showing me that she's powerful. That's a great show. Um, that mm. she's 
smart that, you know, it, you know, I can, I can like both of them equally. You know, I, I actually like She-Hulk more than I like Hulk in the comics, you know? Mm. Um, but don't make me hate, not, not really hate Bruce Banner, but just kind of think he's more of a comic relief. Like he was definitely comic relief in episode two. Well, you know? I mean, I, not to, not to sort of like, Nick, take take your point away because you made an absolute great point. Diversity does not mean lack of equality. You can have, you can be you can have equality and diversity at the same time. Right. Uh, but from the flip side of that, just as a, an aside, they've made they've made the Hulk the butt of the joke since Ragnarok. Yes, that so, is very very true. Smart, yeah. The smart Hulk hasn't really been great. You know, no. I, if they came out with a Hulk movie tomorrow, I don't know if I'd go see it. No, because I would I'd want be... I would want the 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 Hulk that uh, you know Hulk Smash. Oh, I want a Mister Fix It Hulk. That's who I'd want. Or either one, you know. But the Smart Hulk right now, with basically it's Mark Ruffalo CGI. And I, you know, mm. I don't it's need the best to see both worlds that. and suffers yeah. from it. I don't need to see that though, because the Hulk is a specific character where. Mm. You know, in fact, I would like to see a point where where She-Hulk might go crazy and start smashing stuff, but I don't think that's going to happen in this the tone of this show. So, mm. yeah, we'll see. But I mean, over, but, overall, it's I'm, I mean, I'm going to continue watching the show. I'm yeah, not I think I'm probably going to as well. I would say I'd like to see a, a Superman three type of deal. Do you remember Superman three where Superman fights Clark Kent in the scrapyard? I'd like to see Smart Hulk versus Savage Hulk. There you go. Do I, that and the, and the winner, the winner survives. I, I seen. I, I have very dim recollections of Superman three. Sorry. That's your homework for the week. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, I saw it once in the theater and then had no desire to see it again. So. Fine. And then I totally checked out on Superman four. So. Yeah, yeah, me too. I didn't even okay. see that. Okay, so. <laughs> <I'll> anyway. <laughs> all right. So, uh, so, all right. So we have apparently, I guess we'll leave it to you guys to figure out whether She-Hulk is six episodes or nine episodes. And, uh, you know, we'll be talk- maybe we'll be talking about her a few more times before, uh, yeah. before uh, the middle of fall. Yeah. Through Halloween, we'll be talking Andor in a couple of weeks too. So, yeah. um, all right. So let's take a break real quick and we'll come back and we'll talk some actual comics. Let's check this out from uh, Crisis in the Toyverse. This is my favorite ad. That ad makes me want to buy toys again. I don't There's know. There's nothing that says you can't. Go ahead and keep buying them, man. <laughs> I haven't actually bought an action figure in several several years, so there's nowhere to put them. So. Shut up. 
I would like, yeah, I would like to display them, but I have nowhere to display them. I'd rather display my books. I see a whole bunch of blank space behind you, brother. I know those are the reserved for books. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. So we're going to jump into some of our, this week's releases. Um, we've been following very closely, uh, the amazing Spider-Man relaunch from Zeb Wells and, uh, John Romita Jr. So, um, Johnny, you're the resident amazing spider fan. So why don't you, uh, take us into the latest issue? All right. So here we go. Um, this new issue. Um, I absolutely thought this was a lot better than the previous one. Um, the previous one had been um, a little bit samey in places. Uh, as you said, Zeb Wells is the writer. John Romita Jr. is pencils. Scott Hanna is on inks. And Marcio Menez, colorist and VCs. Joe Caramanga is um, the letterer. So well done. Uh, no cover credit for letters again. Um, it pretty much as we left off, Spidey's flo- <laughs> flying without grace for all you Toy Story <laughs> fans. Um, manages to save himself, no shock. Um, but then he turns to Norman for help, and Norman turns him down, which leads to a, an interesting debate, stroke, chase across New York. Finally, Spidey gets resuited and retooled and wins out. Sounds pretty basic story-wise, but there are some absolute peaches in here. Um, the fun dialogue's back. You know? How, for example, Tombs is kicking off that Spider-Man told someone that he's a murderer, and Spider-Man is like, well, aren't you trying to kill me? <laughs> aren't you, know? you currently trying to kill me right now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which makes it interesting. There's a nice little parallel. Spider gets thrown into a chimney. He does exactly the same to the vulture. Um, and then the thing that makes the issue, and this is, I think, where Wells is absolutely nailing it, is the relationship elements. So Norman has a bit of a heart-to-heart as to why he didn't give Spidey the new suit and the glider, and part of it's because he wants to use it himself, but he knows if he does that, he's on a slippery slope. And I thought that was absolutely well-observed, well especially when they still tie into the whole admittedly Pardon my French YouTube piss poor cynic storyline that came out not so long ago. Um, but I thought that was an absolute stonking revelation. I thought that was brilliant. Um, a lot better than the last issue because I was beginning to think it's a bit of a one trick pony mm. uh, with the whole idea of using family against him and stuff. I will say um, that one of my colleagues in my day job, and I agree with him, um, Liam. Hey, Liam, how are you doing? Um, has mentioned that he doesn't like tech Spider-Man. He prefers grounded Spider-Man. And I have to agree with him. So I hope this new tech version doesn't hang around too long because that yeah. that would be the sort of stuff that would turn me off this book. Spider-Man doesn't need a glider. He doesn't need little spider things that fly in people's faces, you know. Yeah. It's like, it's just, just, just taking it too far. Um, I'm not a big fan of the Iron Spider. None of that stuff. You know, yeah. the MCU version where he's Tony Stark's protege just doesn't do anything for me. Spider-Man is your friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man, and that's how it should be. So, as good as this book has been, the Tombstone story, fantastic. The special issue that came out was absolute pants. Getting our feet footing again on this one. I'm still kind of 
you know, I, I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't go south. Hope it doesn't go south. It has the risk because there's a second Spider-Man book coming out soon, isn't it, by Dan Slott and Mark Bagley? So hopefully, Wells is going to be able to tell his stories without having to kowtow to the mighty Slot down the line. Yeah, I there think. I think there's a. Uh, I guess a, I guess Spider-Man can be a victim of its own success in other mediums. Sometimes mm. that's what I that's what I think is happening here with the costumes and stuff. And I, I actually just started playing the remastered version of the Spider-Man for the PS5. But I, I get I have it on PC, but I never played the game when it came out a few hey, years ago. But, Lucas, Lucas, have you heard this guy? 4K TV, the PS5. What's he on about? I don't, know. I don't have a PS5. My, my son has a PS5. I don't have. Yeah. Oh yeah, my son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's even worse, man. My I was gonna I was gonna let you pass on that one. Ah, my son. <laughs> I didn't buy it for him. He bought it for himself. I no, I have I have the game on my my computer here, so I play it on my computer. But um, that that game, what like like I mean, you collect like seventy five different suits or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and all of them have different abilities, and that's where I, I kind of think that this kind of comes from a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, is yeah, I think during Civil War when he had the the Iron Spider type suit and all that, that was an that was a novelty that was cool because we had never seen it before, and now it seems like every time there's a new artist on the book, it's like okay, how many different versions of the spider suit can you can you draw and come up with that look cool. Mm-hmm. And at, at that point, then it becomes a collectible, right? So you put it on the cover, you pick a variant issue, and then now that's a collectible. I would, on this cover that you've got shown here, I have a question. Why does he need his web line to keep him on the glider? Surely he sticks to it because he's spider powers, right? Surely, right? So what, what, do you need, what do you need the web line for? Why does he need spider balls? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, we'll see how it goes. I Please, 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 Deb Wells, please, please, <laughs> please do not suck at the, at the next few issues. Please get this right. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah, I mean, I get, like, I actually liked, like, when you had, you had mentioned that, uh, that you know, Norman gave him the technology because he didn't mm. want to use it himself. That's a great excuse for this, right? Mm. But only if it's for an issue or two. You know, mm. we know it's only going to be an issue or two before they hope so. the next thing, right? So... Um, yeah, I hope so too. Maybe he I'm, uses this technology to beat the vulture like he did in this issue. But. Well, I'm looking forward to the dark web event. So yeah, so I'm, I'm quite I'm quite hopeful for that. So let's see what comes out from that. Well, we're good, and, and you know, you can't go wrong. Like I think John Romita Jr. fixes a lot of problems. You know, like just because you can look at the art and just enjoy the art for and, mm. and kind of maybe overlook a little bit of the story if if you're not really liking the story, you still love the art. So yeah, that's actually shout. I, I picked up um, what's that pick up? I picked up the Dan Slot issues of Amazing Spider-Man uh, in like a graphic in a trade, and it's the one where um, Eddie Brock's got the anti anti venom. Yeah. Is, yeah. is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And that story makes no sense whatsoever. They've got the coffee house and whatnot, and the charity <laughs> siphoning power. Yeah. I was like, "What's going? On? What? What?" And I'm like reading this, I'm thinking, "Whoa!" And I got to the end, I was like, "Well, at least the art was decent." Yeah, was exactly... say, but the art's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's Look, kind of where that is. Lucas, what did you think of Amazing Spider-Man number eight? Here are the storylines that I've been reading about for Spider-Man within the last two years that they have not readdressed. The Morlands, which are the vampires that kill all the spiders. They brought that up, and then they never finished the storyline. 
the tabloid life and death that the kingpin went all over the place to kill a whole bunch of people and then um spidey came across it but he didn't do anything with it um the mj split right uh she's off with some other guy right now with kids mm-hmm. um black cat he and black cat apparently are hooking up again okay Yay. um aunt may has cancer people forget about that right she's supposed to be getting treatment haven't heard much much more about that i even forgot about that no. there are the point is that there are several storylines that they bring up and then they just drop all of a sudden they're well, way better than this schlup that they keep wanting us to pay five, six, seven dollars for. Um, and now this isn't even Spider-Man. This is Hobgoblin. <laughs> this is this is this is Amalgam Comics. <laughs> oh no! It's it's Hob Spider Goblin Man. <laughs> you know, if if you yeah, if, if if look, if I would have been fired with this, but hey, let's let's do something crazy and this no no, they're they're slap they're slapping the Amazing Spider-Man and not, and not even usually you know how they used to put like a little crazy spectacular or something or hey unlimited or something like let let you know that's yeah. not the actual no they just said hey this is the Amazing Spider-Man book number eight and this it even has a legacy number mm-hmm. under it. That's what's driving me nuts right now. Um, and like you, you pointed out about the cover, about hey, if it's if it's you know one of these hoverboards, why does he need this thing to freaking drive it? Did the hobgoblin? I don't remember if the hobgoblin needed anything to help drive, help him drive it. Um, why does he need these balls to freaking spin around, right? Um, and then my daddy always used to tell me, you know, uh, you are if you want to see what type of man you are or what type of man guy just look at the person's friends right and who that person talks to on a daily and right now in this book he's talking to norman osborne who is a mentally bad guy right and then you got him just talking to tombs right um so basically through all this the only people he's really hanging around with on a daily basis is just bad guys he has more of a conversation with all of these bad guys that are people that he actually loves he even takes a job from Norman at the end of this issue, right? Yes, he does. Yeah, maybe. And you know what? Maybe that's a kind of a plot line, right? So maybe that's something that we see later on down the road where, um, you know, Norman I – mean, we, we all know eventually Norman will return to form, right? So, I hope so. <laughs> but right I now – well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't hope so. That's a bit of a misnomer for me. I would actually like to see some some – Elements of change for sure. I think they tried was... that. What about the Red Goblin or the or the Goblin Queen? We've got about we've got about those. Yeah. They uh, just dropped them. I, well, so they should. But I, I, <laughs> der, 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 derivative characters don't work. Let's have original characters if you're going to do that. The problem with derivative uh, original characters is that they take a while to get going. And that's the thing. People forget yeah. that you can't drop a bad guy, like Kindred, for example. Kindred had like way too much um, ass-kicking ability for a guy that has just basically rocked up straight away. When you mm. talk about the original Spider-Man storylines from Dick and Lee, the Enforcers, for example, they were built upon over issues. The original Hobgoblin story, that was done over issues to build the character up, not just, boom, there he goes. 
Um, I the reason why I said I hope Norman doesn't turn bad again is that the whole Norman has amnesia, then he doesn't, then he does, then he doesn't. You can't remember. I'm a product of where I am. So in the UK, we weren't getting, we don't get spy. When I was a kid, we didn't get spy man issues in the right. correct order. So you pick up a Spider-Man issue, and it's like, oh, Norman's the Green Goblin. Then you pick up another one a couple of months later, and oh, he's forgotten. And then you pick up another one, oh, he's the Green Goblin again. Yeah. You'd be like, what the hell's going on? You know? <laughs> so it's like, you know, let's just keep on the down low. I think he's going to be ba- I would like to see him, if anything, I would like to see Norman be, and I'm sorry to bring this up, uh, I, you know, like the Penguin in the DC comics, um, a few years ago, he's like a legitimate businessman but with shady stuff going on down on the on the side business. Yeah. That's how I'd like to see Norman. This on the surface humanitarian, I'm doing, and but on the downside, he's absolutely sneaky as anything. So kind of like the I, kingpin. Yeah, but with more business power, not just crime. You know, and you know, I'd like to see Spider-Man or Peter Parker. It's like spider sense go off just like very intermittently, because because uh, because right. Norman would be like good on the surface but dodgy on the below, so it wouldn't necessarily set his spider sense off every time. You know, right? right. Yeah, that's well, what yeah. I would. That's what well, I would like to say. But... I mean, I mean, good shot, me, Johnny. What you say actually makes sense from the writing standpoint, but you know. That the billionaires, corporate power people at Disney are not going to let that 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 storyline go yeah. through. <laughs> right. Too close yeah. to home. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to let it. Because because remember back in the day when the villains that Superman used to fight, or excuse me, yeah, Superman mm-hmm. and Spider Man used to fight, were just regular old bad guys robbing banks. Yep. Mm. Well, robbing banks really isn't a thing anymore. Right now, mm. now it's. I mean, we we barely have people still in cars. We got still, you know, but no nobody's going to want to buy a comic about, you know, Peter Parker freaking stopping Julio from freaking jacking tires off of a car. No, they they feel that they need to go bigger. Well, that's something that should happen on page one, and then and then the rest of the book. Um, right. Yeah. It, it that's that, it used to be a formula, right? Page mm-hmm. one through four, page one through two used to be the bad guy freaking. Robin Bank. Page uh, then pages three through eight or nine, without the ads, of course. Um, mm-hmm. Used to be um, Spider-Man jumping in and freaking stopping the bad guy. Then uh, then twelve through fifteen used to be uh, Parker getting in trouble because he was late <coughs> or something he was supposed to be doing while he was, you know, stopping the bad guy. Right, and then you know, the rest of the pages would be uh, the new bad guy that's going to show up in the next issue. <laughs> Boom, that, that was it. We're not we, we're not getting not that right. formula anymore. He's not, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty formula formulaic. But so, all right, so Amazing Spider-Man, the jury's still out, huh? So we're getting we're getting some some great artwork, some some pretty good writing. But we'll see. We'll we'll see where it goes. We're we're just kind of crossing our fingers that it doesn't crap the bed, right? All right. Bring back Deborah Whitman. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Strange. Um, that's what I think about this book. That's very good. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into uh, Fantastic Four Legacy number six hundred and ninety-one. That means we're about nine months away from the uh, 
Legacy issue 700, right? Which is surprising because you'd think like with Spider-Man hitting 900, right? That the Fantastic Four should actually be the flagship book of the Marvel Universe. No, but it stopped. It stopped doing that a long time ago. Well, for a couple of reasons. One, Fantastic Four was on hiatus for ages. Two, yes. Spider-Man had that by twice a month. Uh, yes, well, ages, they, so. well, they combined. Some we were getting sometimes three a month, right? Because they mm-hmm. had combined all the Spider books into one during Brand New Day. So we were getting um, three issues, almost weekly issues, right? Sometimes, so. Uh, but anyway, Fantastic Four, Dan Slott's final issue. Dan Slott writing, the artist is Cafu, God bless you. Color artist is <laughs> Jesus Abertov, letterers VCs Joe Caramagna. Um, and uh, uh, as always, if you don't like it, blame Martin Biro, Annalise Bisa, and Tom Brevoort, because it's their fault. Anyway. I'm going to blame now then. Good show. So, so this is the final Dan Slot issue, like I've said before. And this issue really is what it comes down to all about family. It wraps up all of Dan Slot's plot lines rather nicely in a little bow, maybe a little too convenient, I think. Um, but this issue very, very much focuses on um, a new member of the family, Joanna Jeffers, who... Reed Richards finds out, um, who have found out a few months ago, that he had a stepsister, you know, or half-sister. And so he goes and introduces himself to her and takes her on a spin around the universe. And uh, she's with them while they tie up all their family stuff. The reason I really kind of liked this issue quite a bit is they really kind of touched on all the family ties and all the... Uh, all the, all the, I guess the Fantastic Four world building that Dan Slott's done over the past few years, um, where you know we we get an extended visit with Ben and Alicia's with uh, with the kids, and then you know with Franklin and Valeria, and then they they head off into uh, Spire where they wrap up the Johnny Storm, uh, you know who's been stuck on flame on mode for the last year. Um, where they fix him pretty much, but they also fix um, Sky, who was his soulmate, and um, and he Johnny Storm gives her up to to marry her uh, her love on Spire. So we kind of wrap up that storyline pretty good. And that storyline's been going on for a couple of years, to be honest with you. Um, but what was good about this is is the relationship between Reed and Joanna, and and their I guess lack of relationship with Nathaniel Richards, their, their father, who he never actually made an appearance in Dan Slott's run, but he's kind of been kind of in the background a little bit mm. uh, where Reed takes Reed, Reed actually takes Joanna to Elswin and introduces her to their other half siblings, um, Hunter and the war marshal, where you realize that Nathaniel Richards has been sprinkling his seed throughout the multiverse so who knows how many uh, siblings they actually have, which I actually thought was kind of an interesting little plot device, mm. which we'll see if that ever gets, uh, re- you know, returned to. Um, <coughs> the, the one good thing about this, like, I love this issue where, you know, Reed is kind of just kind of does this like pours his heart out and says, you know, we're, we're, we're the universe has just expanded by, 
you know, a factor of 10 or whatever from the, from the, uh, from the reckoning war. And now they have all new places to explore as if you needed all new places to explore in a vast universe. Right. Mm -hmm. But now they have new concepts and new things. And I love this family shot with them all in the spacesuits and all sitting on top of the spaceship and Reed is like, Joanna, will you, will you come with us? Will you join part of our family and explore the universe with us? And she's like, no, (laughs) (laughs) I I love that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, but then they get sucked into the uh, microverse where they have uh, uh, an off-panel battle pretty much with Psych- Psycho Man. And when Joanna uh, wakes up, reads, uh, reads under the influence of, the, uh, of uh, Psycho Man's uh, machine and, you know, is going through the whole hate thing. And that's where Joanna and Reed kind of have a heart-to-heart and come to, uh, come to the agreement that they really do kind of like each other and – Surprise, surprise return of the molecule, man, which I guess was uh, was pretty cool, I guess, to the demand of no one. But even though the molecule man was kind of a um, kind of a cool character. But then this, the book ends with Reed and Joanna on uh, on the boat researching the um, migratory patterns of plankton, which uh, which apparently were a big thing because of uh, of the moon being destroyed in Reckoning War and reappeared. So I like that it was kind of like a grounded reason that she was doing things. Um, like you would think that if the moon was destroyed here, we would probably just be be, uh, be studying what happened to the water, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and the life, life in the ocean. So I actually thought this was um, a good wrap up to the story. I, I loved Dan Slott's run. I think Dan Slott returned the book to um, where it should be. Uh, as like the heart of the book was was the family relationships between everybody. And hey, the big thing Dan Slott did was expand that family, you know, almost double. Mm-hmm. And I liked I, I, I like that. You know, it's it, I always thought Fantastic Four should be kind of like a soap opera with all the family relationships. Um, and it had been, you know, that was whole like Lee and Kirby's, uh, whole time was them not getting along, et cetera. Um, I liked it. Um, Dan Slott's writing, I thought suited the book. Um, I'm sorry to see him go. Um, glad to see him back on Spider-Man, honestly, but, um, yeah, I, I thought uh, these last 46 issues was a really strong run for him. What did you guys think? Johnny? Oh, man. Well, I'm going to absolutely rain on your parade because I thought this was contrived from the get-go. I get writers come and go, and I get that artists come and go and everything. It's part of the business. But do not wrap up every single solitary storyline in one issue. Really? Have you heard of this thing called Pearson, maybe? The last issue... Johnny Storm was all angry. I'm going to leave everybody. That's it. You all suck. I'm gone. See you later. Adios. Boo. This time around, he's like, oh, you found me. You mustn't have gone very far. Uh, and he gets cured. Not cured as in, oh, it's a painstaking process. God knows what's going to happen. Like that. Like that. Absolutely ridiculous. The, the, and then... And then Fairy gives up his love. Fine, he has to do that because you know it's another t- it's another uh, storyline that he needs to get tying off. And then, and then, 
they ignore the longest storyline that's been running through the Fantastic Four from issue one onwards. That's issue one, volume one onwards, is restoring Ben Grimm. They just ignore it. They didn't ignore it. They addressed it. He said he didn't want to change. Which is absolute bollocks. Because then if he didn't want to change... What was that two-issue run where he's only Ben Grimm for 24 hours? And he gets knocked. It was, he couldn't be with Alicia on the wedding day because of it. Because something bad happened. Someone invented the planet. Right, it's right, like... The Hulk really came in. Yeah. So then... So don't tell me it's not important. Because obviously it is. Because otherwise, why do we have two issues about it? They have yet... For me... Yeah. For, for me... Yeah. You're going to have that character whose driving force has been from the get-go, to lose the orange bricks, they're to be given the orange bricks and uh, given the opportunity. And he says, no, I get the kids saying, oh, because you're a hero, you're all this and all that. The bricks don't make him a hero. Ben's a hero regardless. Mm. So to me, it just screams absolute stupidity. I mean, don't get me wrong, you could have done it and it could only work for so long. If, you know, there's, there's ways out of it story-wise. You could have turned around and said, yeah, he's cured. And then six issues down the line, oh, my God, he transforms into a monster again, brings up all those angst again. Why is Johnny not transformed back into flame on Johnny? Because Ben's been living with his mutation uh, for longer. Johnny's has been quite short in the relative space of time, so it was easier to regress him back to normal than it is to regress Ben Grimm back. So don't tell me there's not story ways around it, because there is. I've just given you it, Dan Slot. Thank you very much. But episode issues like this, I would I would have been happy with the end being last last book. To be fair, the end of the Reckoning War, we've got some plot lines dangling, so the next writer coming in can just start and work and do their own magic with that universe. As it is, clean slate issues do nothing for me at all. All right, it, it makes the rest it makes the rest of the run a bit, bit of a lame duck. To be fair. Because you think if everything's going to go back the way it was, what was the point of reading the last 40 odd issues? I'm going to return to that in a second, but I want to get Lucas's thoughts. <laughs> Lucas, what did you think? The, the, the biggest thing that I took away from this, yeah, the biggest thing that I take away from this is have we forgotten the fact that Ben and Alicia haven't consummated their marriage yet? They have yet to boink. Is that even possible? It would be if he had if it wasn't made of orange brick. Because yeah. uh-huh. the the one day the one day after they got married that he you know he changes back into like human the Hulk came in and freaking messed that all up and broke his arm somehow right so that's that's the thing that freaking messes me up and then it's like okay you got this whole thing where you can um, you know turn everybody you know back to where they were and you know back to the original form but it. Okay, give me something that can fix me, turn me around for like 24 hours or like an hour, Doc. Come on, something so I can take my, my wife to the movies for a quick second. You know, like a little <laughs> dip in, a little dip out. You know, or, you know, freaking get it. No, I know freaking the, the thing has got a whole bunch of love juice uh, built up over years. Man, from that stuff, man. <laughs> like, look, freaking, look, this, this gave me something, Doc. Um, but in the meantime, you know, freaking, look, this, I think what makes this not work is the fact that the type of art that Jack Kirby used to bring to the table is sorely missing. 
right? Uh, the you know so remember how when Jack Kirby used to draw universes and everything it was like these bright, oh, yeah. colorful, detailed. But when we went to the subatomic world, we just got these freaking round things and sticks and molecules. But those aren't molecules. We this is 2022. We know that molecules don't look like that anymore. We know that the bonds in between them don't look like that anymore. The writers and the artists should have did some research and help people out. Like, hey, this is what stuff really looks like at the subatomic world, right? Bring us up, bring everybody into. Look, there's a whole bunch of you know, fifties and six, fifty and six year old people that don't know that. Hey, we know what gluons are now. We know what muons. Hey, here, this is a uh, hadron uh, particle. This is an H particle, right? There's Z particles, right? Um, and I know that this needs to be done. You know why? Because I just saw the homework that my eight-year-old brought home, and it is fully understandable that the people that are teaching your kids don't know what the, they're talking about. All right. <laughs> um, at the very least, they don't even know how look. They don't even know how seesaw works, which is crazy to me. Right. Um, the um, it, look. Even if you didn't want to go that far and like bring bring the Marvel Universe into, like, real life, right? You have your own um, particle thing. It's called the Kirby particle. You remember that thing mm-hmm. that they just invented two years ago? Show us how a Kirby particle works and the subatomic world thing works. Do do something like that. Um, the other thing that was interesting about this was, you know, the, I think you brought this up, uh, was the relationship between, you know, um, you know Richards and you know and his half sister, uh, what was it, Joanna, right? Um, and I, I, it was kind of interesting because there was a lot of projection in between the two. Like, hey, I hate my dad, so I hate you too. Oh yeah, well my dad was never there, and I hated him for that, so I hate you too, right? And there was a lot of projection. I mean, they kind of worked it out for a day, and it's it's you should be able to work it up, but you know, let's let's see how it works out over months and years you know don't don't let let's not just like okay we worked it out for a day and then guess what we're not gonna we're never going to see her again right Mm -hmm. because that's what that's what real family relationships is like hey you know how to make me pissed off and i know how to make you pissed off but guess what we're still under the same roof and we're just still freaking you know looking at each other at each other's ugly mug every single every single freaking day man that's that's what really really would be interesting to me um and then no look i i think that's it man i think that's it from from my from my thoughts man other than the fact that you know they built that big thing to cure everybody and they get cured quicker than it takes the freaking covid vaccine to freaking or (laughs) i thought that was kind of weird but all right so I'm going to return to uh, to what Johnny was saying earlier about um, the stories being wrapped up in a nice little bow at the end. I think um, I think that's a good thing. The reason I the, the reason I say that, like, first of all, we never really get those 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 happy endings, pretty much, which which this issue was kind of like a and everyone lived happily ever after. Um, but you know, Dan Slott knows, and we've been talk we've talked about this uh, in in our on our podcast many, many times about how the creators come and go and they leave. We just talked about it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and the new creative team comes on and totally ignore everything that happened before. 
what Dan Slott was was attempting to do here is wrap everything up in a neck in a nice little bow. So the next creative team that comes in here can ignore everything that happened before. And maybe we don't see Joanna Jeffers ever again because, because of that. Right. Uh, and who knows, some of these characters might be gone in the next story arc and we don't see them again, but Dan Slott ended his run here. Go ahead. Go ahead, Johnny. Let, I get what you're saying. I yeah. absolutely totally get what you're saying. But for me, I think I would rather have the trials and tribulations that the characters go through on a book mean something. All right? It I not, absolutely not, would as well. It's not up to Dan Slott or whomever is the leaving writer. It is not up to him to decide how the next writer wants to proceed. So by clearing the decks, you're effectively saying, don't use my stuff, man. See you later. My toys, well, my toys, my toys are back in my crib. Don't put them and would, whatnot. And you can go you and rather, do your thing. Would you but rather the, have that? Would you rather have that or would you rather have Lucas with the with the laundry list of stuff from the last Amazing Spider-Man run that hasn't been touched on in ages with the with Aunt May's cancer, etc.? I would rather have something wrapped up where maybe we find out Aunt May's in remission instead of maybe finding out, you know, all that stuff. I would rather have stuff wrapped up for me. And... I would I would like to think that a writer coming onto a book has A, their own agenda, their own story they want to tell, and B, the skills to use what has gone before. They should not need the, the, the previous writer to, to sort of, take away the tableware. The, the new writer should be able to deal with it. Does that happen anymore, though? Well, I'm not saying it does, but I just think issues like this, where it just is, everything's reset, the reset button issue just absolutely, you know, it, it, for me, it feels like I've wasted my time reading the book. Mm. It feels like nothing's ever real, and I think I feel a little bit insulted that the that the, the writers who do this feel the need to do that. I feel like so you insult my intelligence by putting everything back the way it was. I was looking forward to, to Johnny Storm being the hothead and being angry at the Fantastic Four. I was looking forward. I was thinking, oh, he's going to be so annoyed. He's going to be the bad guy. It's going to be the love between him and Sue that brings him out of it. I'm thinking down the line. I'm thinking story-wise. Oh. And I'm thinking... Why can't we have that? Oh, we can't now because you've changed all the parameters again. So the next writer can't use that because the next writer is certainly not going to make Johnny Storm uh, powerful again like he was because that's already been done. So I think you've by by clearing house, you're taking away additional avenues that Dan that that, that, that Slot has created. He's created these avenues that new writers could have gone down and done something completely different. But so, instead, all he's done is said, right, I've done my bit. There you go. They're back in the original form. You have to start over from scratch. So I, mean, that, that, I, don't have the, I don't have the patience or the wherewithal to do that. I think that's fair. What, what, if, what if the only thing, what if this book read the entire way that it through that it did, but Ben took the, took the, the fix and became Ben Grimm, and then that was how it ended was instead of him being the thing, he was Ben Grimm, but everything else happened that way. Would that would that have satisfied you? I think I think having 
I think if you're going to go down the route that it's a wrap-up issue, then the Ben Grimm issue should have been resolved as well. Mm. Living, living it as it is does not do the character, Ben Grimm character, any justice whatsoever. The next time he kicks off about being a monster, all I'm going to think is, well, you had your chance, you dopey idiot, you didn't take it. I, no, I agree with you there. I do agree with you. So, uh, I mean, th- this is what makes comics fun, is the fact that we can have these debates. But No problem. Uh, hey! It's uh, a two-minute warning! Two-minute warning! Hey! <laughs> right. Let's do that. Ooh. First yeah, in ten, the ball right. on the 20, two-minute warning, no timeouts. All right, so uh, coming into this week, here's what y'all need to know right up front. Amazing Fantasy, number 1,000, the 1 to 200, apparently has some type of allocation going on, so there's not going to be enough to go around for everybody. And I'm talking about the J. Scott Campbell retro variant. That is an awful cover. That is an awful cover. It is. It is. Also, also the gamut number two, the Dotterman Hellfire Gallop. Sorry, everybody. There's not going to be enough freaking gambit nipple covers to go around. Sorry. What the heck is he wearing? That's what everybody wears to the gala, didn't you know? Yeah. Um, I should press last week, yeah. <laughs> uh, the other big news is WandaVision director Matt Shakman is in Talk to Him's Marvel Fantastic Four movie. So this is a perfect you know, segue to what we were just talking about. How would you like a Fantastic Four movie in the same style as the WandaVision? Uh, Man, you guys are Got caught. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, uh, uh, I don't know. I know. Yeah. I liked. I liked one division. Um, so I, I think you could do the same trick again, though, surely. I, I would like to see the, a Fantastic Four movie with with uh, Shackman on that. That you know, we'll see. He did. I, I think he did a commendable job on one division. We, I really liked it. So yeah, me too. Yeah, we'll see what Fantastic Four looks like. As long as it's not an origin story, they can't do they can't do the the origin story again. They, it needs to just be like, hey, this is the Fantastic Four, bang. Right. All right. Let's get right into the story. Uh, Amazing, Sp- Amazing Spider-Man: Judgment Day is going to be on FOC this week. Uh, also, Gambit number three. Um, the reason why I brought this one up is because this one is done by Mirka and Dofo, who has a lot of fans. It's kind of a cutesy one. Was there a big demand for a Gambit book? No. Okay. Nobody asked for this. Especially without, if it says like Gambit a rogue, maybe, or something like that, but nah. Uh, Captain America, think, symbol of truth. I think that ship sailed, to be honest. I think I think the, the, the rogue Gambit thing, I think it was a thing a couple of years ago. I, I don't think it's... Well, it hasn't, the, been, it hasn't been prevalent in the Xbox for God knows how long, so... The mutants are all free-loving now anyway, so, you know... Mm. Whatever. Um, Defenders Ooh, I like Beyond. That. I like that. That's a great cover. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So it basically insinuates that uh, Galactus's mother will take on the Phoenix Force. She did at the end of the last issue of Defenders Beyond. All right. Yeah. So um, then, Edge of the Spider Verse number two. I think this is the second print. Yeah, second print. I'm not liking that book, by the way. So. Uh, Jenneth Vale, Captain Marvel, friend of Comic Crusaders, Maria Wolf, did this cover. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Why didn't they ever make Captain Marvel an Avenger? I know he's like kind of like an honorary Avenger after death, but with his with his relationship with Rick Jones, I mean, having Rick Jones be like an official Avenger after being kind of that kind of sidekick for so long, I thought that that would have been such a great dynamic. But anyway. I digress. 
because now is the time of woman, woman, hear me roar. You know, that's that's what it's all about. You got to push. Look, we're, we're, we know what we're really pushing for is a force. Right. We know if you get all this other stuff, just we just want an A force. Let's just I'd buy it. I would buy A force if it was right. If Kevin Thompson's on it, I would buy yeah. that all day. Yep. Uh, Marvel Voices Community number one. Um, so what's community aimed at? Uh, Latin. Oh, Latino. Mm-hmm. Or Latin X is that what we're calling it? Don't no, you, no, don't say don't say Latin X anymore. Don't say Latin X. That's a bad word. Where, where, where did Latin X come from? I, 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 is, is we don't the wrong word now anymore. Oh, man. I don't know, man. I don't know. Just who's that? Who's that character in the in, in the, the middle? middle? Is that, that is a uh, brand new character that's being added to the Marvel mythos. Uh, so that they haven't decided on a name yet. Is that why we don't? <laughs> Right, so we gotta find out when when it comes out. All right, uh, Miles Morales, Spider Man, awful cover. Is that Marvel Man on the cover? On the yes. le- bottom left. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Well, that's interesting. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no comments. <laughs> uh, Star Wars, Doctor Aphra, choose your destiny for Lord Momin. Some more hand Solo and Chewbacca with the Choose Your Destiny for Miss Windu. Thor Predator variant. That's a, that was a cool cover. Sorry. And this these are I got three that are interesting that are coming out soon as is of uh, this Wednesday. Oh, Ooh, good. yum yum! Look forward to that on Wednesday. Yum yum. <laughs> <laughs> those are those are the chitlins. I you know just. Kino. All right. Uh, so once again, Amazing Spider-Man number one thousand. There is a Diamond retailer exclusive coming out that is a Virgin. Um, I think it was limited to just five hundred. So it's just so, Amazing Fantasy a thousand you're talking about. Is it Fantasy or Spider-Man? I forget which one. Well, it's it's amazing, fa- amazing Fantasy one thousand. You just had nine hundred. So here's my question: What's so special about Amazing Fantasy one thousand? Because I, it- I don't, I don't get it. Because Spider-Man was in what was it sixteen? Yeah, so, so this is, I mean, this is, uh, it's, it's a made-up like, made number, a made-up... I, I don't get it. It's when Detective Comics was like, oh, look at us, we've hit a thousand. A thousand means nothing. 1027 is the number you're looking for, not not, not, not a thousand. Yeah. Absolutely baffles my brains when they do this. How are man? Bean counters. Get your fingers out. Get your uh, fingers I already out. talked about game number two. Which is... Okay, so now I, I noticed the the open chest here, but now I'm looking at the uh, the open. Uh, what are they? The hip. What they yeah. yeah, what do they hips. call that? I don't know. Uh, that. Don't know. <laughs> he needed to show off his childbearing hips, I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. It's a, it's supposed to be a thing for teenage girls, but for a grown ass man to be doing that, I don't know what the heck, man. I do not know. 2022, everybody. All right. Uh, Ant Man number two. Um, Again, there is a new Ant Man that's out and about. And then lastly, Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood. I like that cover on the right. Yes, sir. We seem to see a lot of Moon Knight covers, but we never talk about Moon Knight, the comic book. 
Because it's his own abstract thing, and they're all about vampires and the inner workings of Moon Knight. It's, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. If you really think about it, there's a lot of stuff going on in Moon Knight that will never touch the rest of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. That's just what it is. And I think, and when I think about it like that, maybe that is why people don't like the Moon Knight TV series, because there's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of crazy stuff, a lot of cosmic ethereal stuff, but none of that stuff is going to have any resolution on the rest of the MCU mm. ever. I until think, until like Midnight Suns comes around. I think the uh, the run uh, a few years ago from uh, Jeff Lemire and Greg Smallwood was probably the pinnacle for Moon Knight for me as a character, and uh, I think it's been struggling to try to get that 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 level of quality back. Um, so I don't know. The last couple of runs of Moon Knight have been kind of forgettable for me. Mm-hmm. There we go. All right. So that's going to do it for this episode of No Prize Podcast. Thanks for sticking with us for the extra 10 minutes. And be back next episode. We'll be right into the shake of September. And until then, stay safe. And go Pats. Go Fins. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you. Where's my outro? Adios.